Weird Things is brought to you by patreon.com slash weird things. Support the show. Hello and welcome to the Weird Things Podcast. I'm Andrew Main, joined by Justin Robert Young. Hello. And Mr. Bryce Castillo. Hello. Uh... Gentlemen, first off, NASA is trying to do a basically what's called like a, a, I guess, a wet dress rehearsal with the SLS rocket. This is the big, humongous rocket that's been in development for several years and a big part of their plans for space exploration. Um, and I'll just report it straightforward without our commentary on the necessity of this and the cost on it. Uh, they had to scrub it yesterday. And what a wet dress rehearsal is, they actually pump it full of fuel to like, hey, there's a leak. We got to fix that. And so they had some sort of pressurization problem yesterday. I think that they, they're they trying again today. And I don't have an update as far as when that was going to work or not. And there was also a little bit of a deal about like how NASA was like, wasn't going to announce the actual time that they were doing this. And people were like, why is this? And like, oh, it's ITAR, it's secret. And it's like, we did that for the shuttle and like every other single launch. So anyhow, um, we'll see. I think we'll hopefully it'll, everything will work off right. And the SLS has had a number of problems. And one of the things that got brought up too, somebody pointed out is this launch tower, okay? SLS was supposed to be, hey, we'll reuse space shuttle parts, things like this, and build this rocket. But that, you know, whenever government tries to be frugal, the opposite happens, and it ended up being extremely expensive. And that launch tower alone cost something like a billion dollars. And there has been a comparison between that and, like, what SpaceX spends, which was something like, you know, $80 million to build something like that. So, mm. uh, so, so yeah, this is the Artemis right this is the, the the artemis uh, project which will be Program, us yeah. landing on the moon for the first time since the last time we landed on the moon right well yeah part of this this will actually the sls is going to have its as a, an Orion mission which is one as i believe they're going to do a mission where they're going to send a capsule around the moon okay. in fact the orion capsule and then leading up to artemis which is going to be using that to send a, that capsule up which would then rendezvous with the spacex lander in that and they've actually nasa has budget has been receiving pretty much what it's been asking for they actually got the budget for a second lunar landing with spacex so oh, wow it's just the crazy part is they're using this like one to two billion dollar launch vehicle to send the astronauts up to basically what hopefully if it works you know meet up with a totally reusable rocket that could actually carry them to there but I mean, jeez, uh, I, I feel like this is one of our old hobby horses. Uh, uh, the 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 idea of, I mean, because because here's the thing: we were on this when it was a new story, right? We were we were on we were on the SLS <laughs> being a bad idea, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> what eight years ago? <laughs> like, I mean, it, it it is it has been a minute. Uh, uh, the the fact that this has indeed. Uh, uh, transpired exactly as we'd foreseen uh, uh, with every cost overrun, every, I mean, the fact that it was outdated at the time that it was proposed and has only gotten more outdated since, you know, that it was, it was outdated in a, in a, a more grounded expectation of what SpaceX would be able to do in that intervening time period. Not only has it taken longer, but SpaceX has gone above and beyond expectations of what they have been able to do. Um, I think it says everything you need to know 
about our modern relationship between the SLS, which effectively, for those who are just tuning in, is a conglomeration of the biggest uh, uh, defense contractors and space contractors that there are. Uh, the, the, the fact that it was a, a progressive and revolutionary step to allow SpaceX to just do a small part of what they could very easily and have all but demonstrated do totally by themselves for a far cheaper price. The fact that that's progressive shows you where we are in this, in this process, but to be fair, moving in the right direction. So uh, mm -hmm. we are, we are happy about that. And also we don't, we don't want to, you know, uh, uh, wish ill on on anything, especially something that's taken and, as much time mm -hmm. and, and spent uh, as much money and, on it as this. And Starship is unproven. Starship has not gone in, <clears throat> into orbit yet, and we don't know that it's going to work. And we do want to have multiple launch capacities. Don't really want to like the price tag, and we need to address how these things are paid for. But right. there is waiting for this thing to work that may not work may not be the best strategy. And, and just to and like Im imagine the blunder of the decade it would be if the opposite happened where we put all of our eggs in the spacex basket and then x doesn't work yeah, it bad like pr really... it, i mean like it, they, there's a lot of unknowns where at least having uh, i mean it is expensive it was overly would, expensive but i would say though at this point it would have been the smarter bet because of proven track record well, and success of the falcon 9 now by like you'd be like well who who should you bet on the you know the contractors that Mm -hmm. you know haven't built a new vehicle in 20 years sure uh, for, and yeah i mean hindsight obviously is 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 a lot clearer yeah. but but at the time you i i think i understand the trepidation of yeah. of of yeah. leaning on out even just outside contractors for what is still groundbreaking technology yeah and it's been SpaceX has sort of been the outlier. We're still waiting for Blue Origin to deliver its engines and for their other, you know, the Vulcan rocket, which is, you know, wants to do a lot of expensive, fancy payloads, is dependent upon that. And we've seen, like, SpaceX may be the anomaly right now, but there are a lot of other encouraging companies out there. And I will I will defend the defense industry in a lot of this because sometimes we apply very sinister motives to stuff. But imagine you're a person who's in charge of, like, assigning resources to, to projects, and you notice that... If you put 28 engineering product managers on one project and it makes a billion, you put, how many did I say, 20 of them in there and it makes a billion, and, and you have a billion in profit you make from it. But this other one where you put 40 engineering product managers and it made $300 million, you'd be like, oh, well, I should use fewer because we made more money. But... In reality, those were the ones making sure that each component got delivered and got done, and that other project that made more money was delayed by three years or took much longer by three years. It didn't deliver what the government wanted, but the net amount you made was more. You're not making an evil decision there. You're not saying, I'm going to screw the government over. You're looking at this going, "What's he, how did this make money? How did this make? Oh, this is the structure for that. The consideration that because of cost plus and the way these things work with government contracting isn't as important to you. And so you can be a very sincere person and you can design a system that absolutely games the system, which yeah. is what happens in the defense industry. I, and that, yeah, I, 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 whenever you are making a critique about the military industrial complex, I think that there is this idea of, you know, it gets wrapped into these notions, these political notions of like, oh, well, we're pushing war so we can sell bombs and blah, blah, blah. Like there's this idea of, 
uh, of you know a darkness surrounding it when and look we've got a bunch of people that are in our community that work for a lot of these companies <laughs> and make mm-hmm. and make good livings doing it and when you talk to them about what their lives what what their what their jobs are it's a bunch of very earnest by and large hard working people who work in a de facto for profit government bureaucracy like they they work almost exclusively with either our government or in limited capacity other governments uh that means they are just kind of almost fully integrated you know they they, they are they're going they're getting money and building things to spec at certain uh, uh uh at certain you know rules and regulations that mean that they have a similar structure and it just takes and forever yeah. that's that's the that's the thing it's not bad it just takes forever because that's how they're built and and there are you know i'm sure there are any any wahoo can make a private military contractor but uh i don't think he's around since the, the since they are named the guardians oh jesus uh but uh <laughs> uh but but uh in terms of like you know when the government does stuff especially when it comes to defense they have to have very they tend to have pretty high tolerances or very specific tolerances for the things that they need and there are only so many companies that can do that to that scale i uh, imagine that- that's part of it. That also becomes an excuse to charge even more and why you had the military paying $600 for toilet seats and stuff because they use that as an excuse to say. And But you're right. They're, they're do have, they do have to, and a lot of times too, they have to make things in limited quantities. But we've seen via SpaceX and some of these other smaller companies, the defense contractors are grossly inefficient in the way that they do a lot of stuff and not out of malice. And mm-hmm. so, you know, another consideration too is like I was – I was baffled by like the really some of the really bad early analysis of the Russian invasion of Ukraine about the predictions that it was going to fall so quickly, et cetera. And reading analyst reports from people who were paid to analyze this, you know, the thing that became clear to me is like these people aren't dumb. They're smarter than I am. They know this much better than I do. But their job, and maybe whether they implicitly realize it or not, is there's not a lot of money in writing defense reports for defense contractors in the Pentagon if all you do is underestimate the Russian and the Chinese yeah. military. Mm-hmm. And that's what it comes down to. Your, your job is to, <laughs> you're, if, to if, prepare if, if, for if just, every contingency. Yeah, it's like, a, oh, Russia, well, every, fart noise. Like, <laughs> eh, whatever. Yeah, you're not, you ha- not every, but just you just, you can get money by saying, well, if Russia has this hypersonic cruise missile, that's a problem. The fact that no, they could probably only make three and it may not work isn't as relevant because Raytheon's like, yeah, we need a $5 billion contract to build a hypersonic cruise missile defense screen. So just come up with a report that shows that Russia's working on this, whatever, and it could be a threat. And you're like, okay, you do that. Now, is it whatever? I don't really don't. I really don't know. I have no clue there. And that was with Ukraine was nobody was really trying to look into like, although Ukrainian military had been speaking to uh, American military forces. And at that level, there was a lot of talk and there was a lot of people aware of logistics at the higher level. That wasn't happening. They were aware they were going by what's on paper and by the analysts that sort of are incentivized to, you know, minimize one thing, exaggerate something else. Yeah. It it reminds me of of a story that used to be one of those hyperbolic, uh, a scare tactic kind of stories that would happen every few years that thankfully have kind of fallen out of favor, at least that I've seen. Uh, which was the like the leaked secret Pentagon uh, uh, a plan on how the U.S. would invade China, <laughs> and it's like 
It was real. It was yeah. a real thing. I'm sure. Because someone has to think that. Yeah. It, we should. Like, like that, like, like if we go to war with China, someone's like, ah, what? Get a map. We got a map. <laughs> exactly. You have to be prepared for. You should. You we, should have a plan at least. When you have a fancy building with its own <laughs> name, like you need to be thinking of these things to justify your fancy building. Yeah. Uh, 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 but, but yeah, I think with. The, the idea being that you always want to be in a situation where you can understand uh, the worst case scenario. Now, how that then gets filtered through experts that talk to the media and, and you know, it, having, you know, for the, for the politics show, I, I have to watch a lot of Sunday chat show, politics chat show content. Oh, I'm sorry. For which, um, you know, now that we're in this very weird phase of the war in Ukraine is a lot of military analysts making informed guesses. <laughs> like I I'm willing to say I make uninformed guesses <laughs> guesses on what's happening. They're making informed guesses. I know enough about war reporting that who knows, you know, like even 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 as as we're looking at it right now there's no war reporting effectively is trusting either military on what they're telling you hilariously unreliable and trying to suss out immediate rumors. Also among the most unreliable things that happen in the entire world of journalism. Right. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. It is, it is a, a weird, a weird thing, but I, I can understand where all of it incentivizes is to get back to your point, Andrew, the idea of you want to write, the the steel man pitch for every possible threat uh, as opposed to the like i don't know i think they kind of suck and they're bad and and they're and they're <laughs> pretending to be more than they are and you know when the price tag is so high uh you're going to get you're going to get the best salesman using the best salesman techniques that they can to do the you know it's do the do to do the do that's right you know, one more point on that too, and something that's been made by a couple of people in threads is that they'll show an example of, uh, you know, a, a piece of U.S. heavy artillery during Vietnam, and then they'll show you a piece of Russian heavy artillery, and they're like, what's the difference? And you're like, I don't know, like the color scheme, where it is, and they're like, well, look at the ammo for the U.S. artillery. It's stacked on top of a crate, and it's elevated off of the ground. The Russian stuff is just thrown on like a tarp or something like this. <laughs> and there's a video, which is horrific, which is you show somebody, somebody's opened up the back of a Russian ammo truck and all these landmines just start spilling out <gasps> because they don't Russian logistics at hold. They're not, not into crates, not into warehouses. And that's not in the military because they're always, we'll just have people carry them from point A to point B. So containerization, all these other little things. These are invisible to people who maybe aren't aware of blue collar things who don't when, you know, people visualize how does a warehouse work? Like, oh, well, here's yeah. a box of the items here and here's a thing here. I'm like, there's a lot more steps there. And if you miss those steps, you're basically doing it the same way the Babylonians did. it, And yeah. that's part of the thing is like we're what we're cognitively not aware of. And, and I, you know, I can point out, ah, these people don't notice. I'm like, yeah, like how how do I not? What, how does the world, what are things that make the world work that I don't understand that I ignore? Like, you know, there's been, you know, books now about the cargo container, how the container 
is such a big thing for revolutionizing shipping. We don't really think about it. The wooden pallet that stuff gets put onto, the mm. wooden pallet is how a forklift can go up and pick oh, something yeah. and move it across a warehouse. Yeah. Prior to those things, it was crazy. You know, um, that's a thing, you know, we have to sort of keep in mind when we think about, you know, hey, how does this world work? The other thing too is like, I want to talk about one of my, one of my critical thinking things people have to think about is one of the logical mistakes people make is how they assign agency. And like to Justin's point, like, oh, the Pentagon had that plan to invade China. And it's like, as you pointed out, like, yeah, one person in one think tank whose job is to think out these scenarios thought this up. That's what they needed to do. But people think, oh, it's they have this Dr. Strangelove idea of the heads of the Pentagon sitting together and going, now oh, let's plan our invasion. It's like there was a popular chain restaurant where some idiot who worked there said, hey, maybe because of uh, you know our rising gas prices, we could probably pay our employees less because they don't have much of an option. Oh, yeah, I saw and that. And people are like, oh, this chain restaurant's... No, this idiot there wrote a memo to somebody else and said this. And, yeah. and the reason we know about it was because people there were horrified by this and said, look at this. But that becomes, look at how the, that'll be, you know, I guarantee you a year from now, some documentary, well, this chain restaurant was planning to do this to a, like, no, it's like no more than if, you know, the person who delivers your fries at McDonald's tells you to take a hike, then McDonald's Corporation tells me to take a hike. It's like, you know, where does agency come into play? Yeah, probably healthier. If you took a hike after McDonald's, That's that right. would be true. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, you exactly. know what you don't need too much agency to do? Uh, well, just be indoctrinated into uh, patreon.com slash weird things. Because right. once you listen to the soothing sounds of my voice, you will go to a browser and type in patreon.com slash weird things. You will support us. I, I, this feels weird. Anyway, no, you you should. And wake, and wake, and wake. Uh, uh, you can support us uh, right there, man. Uh, thank you guys so much for doing it. You go ahead and get access to our after things podcast before anybody else and make sure that no matter what uh we are here for you so head on over there right now patreon.com slash weird things so interesting thing and this sort of i had some topics to talk about but i think we should talk about this because it's kind of a i think it's a big story and maybe bigger than people may realize uh turns out twitter now has a new single largest shareholder yep a universally beloved figure on that platform. Oh, uh, uh, I know. Uh, uh, Chrissy Teigen. Uh, Chrissy, was it Chrissy yep. Teigen? Chrissy Teigen. Uh, she's always doing stuff. I don't know what of the, any of the stuff that she does, but she's always doing stuff. What is it? Uh, uh, I can't even think of any novelty Twitter accounts. <laughs> is, it the, is it Drill? Is it Drill? Is it at Drill? Did he write another book? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Mm. I'll bet you. It's Elon Musk. Oh. So. uh, It is Elon Musk. It's sort of interesting how how people with large media empires go like. uh, uh, Jeff Bezos says, hey, uh, you know, I want to. The media is kind of big. I should probably buy something, you know, and so he goes out there and he buys Washington Post. Mm-hmm. Right. Carlos Slim, you know, one of the richest people in the world. He's like, hey, I think I'm going to buy a bit of what? Is it New York Times? Yes. Okay. And then you have uh, Lorena Powell Jobs. She's, you know, 
basically uh, inherits or because of, you know, the passing of Steve Jobs is in, you know, runs this big, huge trust, whatever, and, and not to diminish her own work. And she's done a wonderful philanthropic stuff. She goes off and she bought, uh, she bought into one of the magazine conglomerates, Atlantic, right? I think or yeah. something or yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And so that becomes sort of a kind of, I think that a thing that you see, man, I don't like what's going on in the news today. What can I do? I'm going to cancel my subscription. Or, or, or. I'll, uh, yeah, and let's let's uh, uh, media history moment. Uh, uh, rich people owning <laughs> media entities <laughs> is as old as time itself. Uh, uh, in fact, that that is effectively the model. Uh, the the you know, unlike a, a, a two faces monologue in the Batman movie, uh, <laughs> you tend to live to become somebody beloved. You know, like uh, 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 the Grams who ran the Washington Post before. Uh, 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 what's his butt? Uh, yeah, Bezos. Bezos. Bezos bought it. Uh, were eventually beloved as being like stalwart stewards of getting getting the news out. So uh, this is this is not new. The the you know what what you want to keep an eye on is is how these things are being applied. But even if Bezos ran every day. Uh, uh, gigantic block headlines that were just like Amazon, the greatest deal in in anything history. Uh, it probably would not match up to like one tenth of some of the like influence peddling that yeah. that uh, uh, you know our 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 plutocrats of the past did with their media empires. So just everybody, I, yeah, keep that in mind. I I'll say this. Because it is, a, uh, I have two takes on Elon Musk. Number one, remember the main <laughs> uh, is uh, I. Uh, ever since Jack Dorsey left, uh, what a few months ago, uh, the new person that they've installed uh, is seemingly keeping good on his word of making a lot of changes to Twitter very quickly, as fast as possible, um, and. What what would you say that he changed? Uh, uh, a, a lot of user interface things, making spaces more of a prominent thing. Um, uh, there's a, there's some new use, user interface stuff that makes the Twitter app look a lot like, more like Facebook, even. Um, uh, some of the communities that I don't understand, but I mean, I, I yeah. think yeah, spaces but, spaces probably has been the biggest uh, thing that users actually like. Um, Did he kill fleets? Uh, that on he didn't kill fleets. That was Jack. That was before. Um, but but you, you we're seeing more stuff of uh, le lesser lesser known features on Twitter, like um, uh, uh, like the Twitter blue stuff and the ability to charge people to super follow you or whatever it's called on on Twitter um, to to kind of monetize that platform in certain ways or to uh, you know they have some ways where you can tell Twitter what type of account you are even if you're not verified like oh this is like a media account this is a this is like a podcast um, which I think is going to uh, in any case I, I think that there's a lot of machinations going on they, like Twitter is testing out a thing uh, Scott Johnson has one of these they are testing a discord or more like a mastodon style community feature where, uh, users of Twitter can join your community, like say the Frog Pants that's, community. That's public, right? Uh, 
I don't it the the feature the feature is public, but it's not available for everybody. For everybody. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, I'm in I'm in one of them for for Daily Tech News show. Yeah, and and so you. I have no idea what the point of it is. I have no clue. When it it just gets to the point where like okay, they're they're trying a lot of new stuff with Twitter. Twitter kind of wasn't working, still isn't working. So they're trying to find something new to take off, whether it's copying Discord or copying Substack or whatever. Um, but at the end of the day. I don't know. We're talking about the acquisition or this this share purchase as if it were the New York Times, but the news doesn't get made on Twitter. Certainly, news gets made out of Twitter, but the news gets spread on Twitter. I read the news on Twitter, but the but that's either. Have you other heard stuff. of the word algorithm? The thing I always turn off on Twitter. Yeah. No, you 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 may, but again, the little sidebar. So here's the thing. When you live in a world of as much content as out there as possible, you don't need to say it because somebody else said it. You just need to amplify it. And so Twitter, if you go look at that sidebar on the Twitter main page of what they're selecting, what's getting amplified, whatever, way more influential than it is the single most influential source of news on the planet. I I don't disagree that it's influential. But I think it is different than buying the Washington Post. Well, it is. Uh, yes, it's better. Listen, the Washington Post, the Twitter banned the president. Twitter banned our former president. Twitter is able to remove an entire person from an entire point of conversation. And notice the impact that had on that. Washington Post can run all the articles at once, only got a minimal impact. So, like, it's so much bigger, so much bigger. I mean, he had to be on his email list to find out he hit a hole in one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, look, um, but we don't know who won oh, the game. Here and is you don't he, want to brag. Um, sorry, my other take. You, are you, do, do, do your take, and then I want to get into uh, uh, yeah. what what King Media is. Uh, and my my second take is that this is probably going to be a good thing for Twitter. Like, if either look, I, I'm I'm become I'm I'm a social media accelerationist. I think we <laughs> I we have got a we've got a lot of platforms that are getting long in the tooth are getting confused about who they are and what they are and they're trying to be these do-all service companies and so either he's going to make twitter really good really quickly or we're going to leave twitter for something better very soon and i think both of those are acceptable to me uh boy i would god another social media company that would stick other than again like i don't know tick TikTok came and went, and I was like, "Ah, it's for the youngs." And I, I just, I just want my exact age demographic to have another thing. All right, King Media, King Media. What is King Media? This was something that really only I think became a lot more traceable to the average person uh, in the internet era, where a there were a lot more layers, and b you saw them cascade a lot faster. But this is kind of the way that things have always worked in the history of media. You have King Media that reports a thing, right? And we can get into more nitty gritty on like how reporting, like the ideas that that start for reporting. But just to give you a basic primer, when I was a reporter, my editor would leave on my desk when I got, by the time I got there in the morning, either like stuff from like the obit section or from, from something else, just to be like, hey, follow up on this. Like he would go look for these things he would find these little like whiffs of a story and then I would go uh, 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 find it. But, but that's, that's the general idea of how like local news at least is made. You have a report there and then that goes out on 
the wire services or is also covered by the wire services that are then covered and then written about by smaller newspapers that are then covered by television stations that are then reported on by uh, radio. And the more that your media is citing other things, the more you know it's not King Media, the more you know that it is somewhere down the chain. Now, we have been in situations personally where like with the, the, the Diamond Club book and stuff like that, where we've been fortunate enough to make news that we watched what happened when one thing covered it and then it cascaded down to like six or seven other uh, 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 blogs, right? Like we, we, we watched this be demonstrated. Right. Which if you know about fake news cycles and fake news funnels, it's the exact same thing you're describing. It is the news funnel, right? Yeah. It's just that this is what happens when, you know, a, a, a child can go down the slide and a piece of poop can go down the slide. It's <laughs> the, the slide works the same way with gravity. Uh, what Twitter offers, social media in general, but I would say Twitter mostly because reporters like Twitter than they like, more than they like Facebook. Social proof. So where before my editor would be putting an obit on my, uh, on my desk, uh -huh. now not only do you have content being created, so literally I, I, on my way walking in here, and I have no idea if this is, True is amplified by a partisan thing, but it was a teacher who was uh, uh, came out to his kindergarten class in Florida. This while there is a controversial political kind of thing swirling around it, right? Mm. Heavy engagement takes flying all over the place. Big check marks that are weighing in on it. Right, that video aggregated and posted from somewhere in the wilds of the internet but finding the public square on Twitter and then having the conversation that justifies for anybody that this is now a story means that the newspapers, the television stations, and everybody else follows the lead to go talk to that guy. Whenever you see a gigantic thing that goes viral on Twitter and you see in the comments, hi, I'm Dana from CNN. Uh, uh, can you please follow us so we can arrange a blah, blah, blah? Yeah. That means Twitter is king media. That means they are coming there because they know that there is social traction on a story and people are more likely to go in or to, to follow up with it because they have context for it. And it's not just something that they are coming up with by themselves and then reporting on. Now, it certainly goes the other way. If the New York Times has a story for which Twitter cares about, it will get spread there. But that to me is the worth. Uh, of 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 Twitter specifically is that almost as an analytical tool. It's where journalism lives. It 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 is, and the scary thing too is that the amount of control and editorial control. Like one is who you give a blue check to. Do you like what this person says? Give them a blue check. Don't like what this person says? I'm sorry, you don't meet our threshold. We saw right before the election. The Hunter Biden laptop story getting flagged. New York Post locked out of Twitter from sharing a story. Um, the reasons for that, they're manyfold, but what we know is a thing that now has been verified to be completely true, what it really means, what the implications, something completely different, literally may have changed an election, may have changed an outcome of an election based on that. And some people might argue, well, that was good because it was that close to election day. Maybe there should be, maybe we shouldn't have these last minute inflammatory stories that can't be fact checked, whatever. There's going to be arguments on either side. But that story was stopped 
from disseminating in this platform. And that tells you literally it can change elections, which is fascinating. I mean, it's just, it should be, you know, uh, maybe scary depending on where you come from. But when you look at uh, what I, I don't, it's hard to sort of come up with a comparison to what this is like. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I think I'm, I'm getting tripped up a little bit just because this is very different from other traditional media buyouts, right? This is not, uh, he buy, buys the Huffington Post and he gets oh, the what, CMS, but, yeah. but uh, we don't know what his impact will be. I mean, he's, he's larger shareholder, he might get a board seat, but it doesn't mean he's going to just step into the offices today and tell everybody like, no. listen, new plan. Uh, in fact, knowing Elon Musk, this may just be a very expensive hedge slash troll. <laughs> Right, he's got his the money sitting in his Robin Hood account, and he's like, well, I don't know, what do I do? That was by seven yeah, million shares Twitter. of Twitter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, he's paying he's he's paying Grimes surrogate on Venmo, and he's like, I don't know, I got a little left over. What if I just bought Twitter? But it's yeah. Yeah, but it, and yeah, you know, so and and you know, in the chat they're asking, you know, why do we think eleven percent means anything? And it doesn't. It's not controlling interest, but it is. It is it the is largest. A, I mean, I think that's the that largest is, single. That, that, that is the one thing that does disconnect is that when you look at it, and it's like nine point eight, and you're like, oh, it's a souvenir. No, it, it's a lot because of the shares are very very diffuse. And then the other thing that, and somebody who's smarter at business would be able to explain exactly what this means. But from my cursory reading on this earlier. Of Facebook, Google, and a few other gigantic tech companies have it written into their corporate bylaws that founders basically have outsized interest, and that that is irrevocable. Mm. Uh, Twitter does not, and that was the reason why Dorsey wound up getting run off. Mm. They create two tiers of stock. That was like in the Facebook plot point where Andrew Andrew Garfield gets realizes that he was getting the inferior stock and not the stock that had the control and could actually revert anything to it. Uh, yeah, at 9.5%, whatever, he is a single largest individual shareholder, according to reports. That also means that when it comes to votes, you do not get, you know, your, your voting shares your, are not one person, one vote. It is number of shares per vote. So he controls 10% of all voting shares. So when it comes to approximately, so when it comes to making decisions on stuff, that is huge. You cannot ignore a shareholder like that. And... Yeah, I, I mean, assume I, it gives him a board position. So yeah, and we'll we'll, we'll see how this goes. I, I, my guess is at minimum he wants to just be a specter that is sort of hovering around in case things that he doesn't like happens, and he can and he can then rattle cages. Uh, or people yeah. have to think twice about. Well, I don't know this guy who doesn't like these decisions we made uh, owns a an outsized portion, so maybe we should think twice about it. Uh, that's that's my my guess. I mean, but then again, you know, he he certainly has a, a seemingly infinite capacity to spin plates, uh, uh, considering what else he's done. So who knows? Maybe maybe he's like, yeah, this is this is what I want. I, I really, really believe that the fundamental health of the world is dependent on uh, a social media having more firm ground rules and people understanding instead of being able to mold it to exactly what you want, which means nobody gets what they want because everybody has a different idea of what they want, uh, that it is incumbent upon social media to say, nope, here are the rules. This is it. We, we are going to, we are going to enforce what we enforce and, Mm -hmm. and not what we don't. And, and 
people will jump and yell and scream but but you know that that is that yeah, is what well, it is well let's clarify this so like somebody here says uh companies ignore shareholders all the time he bought some vanity companies do not tend to ignore people who own substantial stakes like 10 percent and the single largest shareholder because one you have voting shares you can control decisions and who you have input on who gets to be on board and make up that board of directors can say we need to fire our ceo that board has power that is not a board that is like some advisory board that board under the poor under the rules of the sec exists for a purpose and has this he has a percentage of that power and as a shareholder as this largest single shareholder he can get other people to his side on stuff i don't know what the point is for being able to get control of it but it's often you don't have to have literally like 50 percent control of a 51 percent control of a stock to be able to make larger decisions on this that's gets into a bigger thing this is not a vanity purchase you have a substantial influence because also he can go to other people who have shares he could say hey i he may have enough shares to push for amendments to put out there and suggestions to be made that the company would have to follow if it got voted on so well i mean we, we we don't yes he, it, it can be a lot of things. We do not know what it will be because we have no idea, you know, what, what he exactly wants to do about it. But what is important to point out is that because of the unique structure of Twitter, at least for other uh, Silicon Valley companies, shareholders have already forced Jack out. Like it was shareholders and the board that made Jack come up with a succession plan and then made him follow through with it. Uh, like, so this, this has already happened in this company specifically. So maybe it is because of that, that he wants to get into it. But then again, it's like, uh, you know, to be totally honest, he's a man who understands the value of staying in the center of the spotlight. Maybe he bought it to stay in the center of the spotlight for, 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 for 48 hours. He's very rich. He's very media savvy. He, he does stick to his principles, at least in terms of what, what he wants to do. So uh, it, it could be any number of things from 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 my perspective, but I do think that in terms of the corporate element, at least when I've read, <laughs> this is a company that is more vulnerable to this than, let's say, Facebook or Google. It definitely, I I certainly feel like one of the most plausible uh, effects or, or or I don't know efforts uh, through this purchase is um, to make Elon Musk the Ashton Kutcher of Twitter for right now is every time like something comes third 70 show. Like what are we talking? Like 1 million Acorns. subscribers on, on, uh, on, on the service. Like, uh, anytime there's an Elon Musk story or anytime there's a Twitter story, that's going to be one of the little purple links for the next couple of weeks is Twitter unrolls the new uh, tweets to the sequel to tweets. And of course, Elon <laughs> Musk. New just tweets. Bought, I, I know. Uh, and Elon Musk just bought. Hey, did you see Elon Musk is a cool guy? Like I can absolutely see that this would be an attempt to be the cool guy or the hot now, ticket item on Twitter. Now, let me say again. We, we talk about Elon Musk in part because he's the dude who wanted to build a, a greenhouse on Mars and live stream it. And, and that the, the process to that led him to building a rocket company. Uh, it is not beyond, he is not simply PT Barnum. You know, you might say he is not quite the, the 
inventor or captain of industry that you might think he is. You And there is certainly an element of showmanship to the guy that calls his tunneling company the boring company and raises money by selling flamethrowers. He certainly does know how to how, how to build the tip and, and delight an audience. But it would not shock me if, for whatever reason, he does decide to seriously rattle cages at Twitter, and this is not his last move, right? That he does try more, more of 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 a corporate thing. I think it is and, at, at the point right now we simply don't know. And here's the thing too: when it comes to a signal, him buying a ten percent stake in Twitter sent the price up today twenty eight percent, twenty eight percent, a twenty eight percent jump in this. Now, this could be investors assuming that maybe he's going to keep throwing money at it until he has a controlling interest in it, or it could mean that people think it's a positive sign that he's taking one, just the future, the positive sign that he believes in Twitter at a long-term value, or having his influence could be good. You know, it could be any one of those three or something I haven't thought about it, but that's a very, very interesting signal. Like literally his presence there made everybody else's share of Twitter worth 30% more. So we'll see. I, I think you know the, the, the biggest thing if we're going to read the Kremlinology on it is that this happens, it might have happened simultaneously with his uh poll of his Twitter following, uh asking whether or not Twitter adheres to free speech. Actually, uh, Bryce, could you read the, the wording on it? I don't want to butcher it. Yeah. Uh this was a poll he posted on Twitter. Uh, free speech is essential to a functioning democracy. Do you believe Twitter rigorously adheres to this principle? And 70% of voters said that they do not believe Twitter rigorously adheres to free speech. Which now, is the, the, the thing I love about that and just the general concept is that like the oldest lesson that, that old, old growth internet people like us really know is that no one likes the admins. <laughs> the admins always suck. It is it is always a popular a popular uh, uh, rallying cry to be like, hey, who sucks? Like the admin sucks. Uh, that being said, this is a website the likes of which I, I do think has you know to to undercount its cultural and political cachet is foolhardy. Like this is a unique thing. It is a unique beast. Um, mm -hmm. so is there a greater responsibility to that? I mean, he, he seems to want to put a bunch of money behind it. Uh, uh, I, I don't know what his solution would be. I don't know, you know, what, what, uh, you know, if, mm. if there is, I know that my issue with social media in general is that when you don't this is Twitter and Facebook specifically. When you don't have mods, you only have admins, then you remove your ability to make kind of local decisions on certain topics, certain communities that can be more hemmed in versus others that can be a little bit more freeform. And, and, and that shapes opinion. It's the reason why Reddit for various different people are various different websites effectively for some people it is hell right for some people it's pornography for some people it's the greatest expression that they could possibly want discord the same way they are they are greatly they they contain multitudes 
Facebook and Twitter don't. They have kind of one size fits all rules for everything. And they are not particularly beholden to any kind of, uh, uh, you know, case history or, or, uh, uh, past past interaction so and maybe maybe that is what you know he wants to bring more to it is like hey everything needs to have a prescribed punishment and and these are the only things that go over the line and blah 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 well maybe but then also we've seen big social networks act uh in in the opposite way right like they they do not have any uh you know um uh, they don't have any charge that says you have to be the open forum. You have to be the debate hall for everything, mm-hmm. uh, which means that they, you tend to see through their moderation, maybe not always in the headline, but the day-to-day moderation of those sites is towards keeping people on there, is to not kicking people off unless they very much have to because – they make money when there are when there are people in cots. You know they have to. Yep. They 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 are in the business of getting people on the platform, not making the platform good. You know it it is it's 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 not about making good time. It's about making a loud time. And uh, Twitter is is very is is very good for that. Well, let, let, let's also understand that Twitter makes money by page impressions it makes money on advertising it is an advertising company the point of twitter is that you have a lot of interaction on it which gives twitter more of an opportunity to slide and add in between you know all the different uh uh tweets that you are seeing so uh uh yeah there is there is a a tremendous amount of traffic that is generated by eccentric loud uh, uh, oftentimes controversial voices. The question is exactly how you govern them and what is over the line, what isn't over the line. Uh, well, but yeah. what, what, what Twitter has uniquely weaponized is the fact that uh, uh, there is a no-win situation. I mean, like, Jack Dorsey was so wrecked physically by the concept of being the king of Twitter that he just started, like, living in maggots. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, this man... This man was spiritually and physically destroyed by the weight of of having either you're defending somebody that you don't like or you're being yelled at by your best friend. Like it is it it is a hell site. It is. Uh, uh, yeah. But then again, should it be anything else? And also, like, is it serving me whatever uh, you know, Bud Light Seltzer Limerita ad that uh, has paid for my demographic to see it? Well, you know the lime, you know you get the taste of lime, but with with the Rita, with the Rita twist, which is great, which is yeah. so good. It's yeah. a, you know two great tastes. It tastes. Why, good it, it's like Bud Light seltzer hard soda. How many different things are we gonna put into one name? As long Just, as it's low carb, as long as it's zero sugar, yeah, zero sugar, low carb. So, prediction hmm. is: is he just buying this ten percent stake, and that's it? And then he's like, cool, I just want to have a voice in the room. Got to make sure they hear from me because I'm going to be a noisy investor. This is a strategy for... I mean, the question I would have is like, does he want to be... Like, I don't don't think he would be aiming to get 51% or a controlling interest in the company. And I don't know that he's in the game to reinvent like i think twitter can be very cool because there there is a lot of potential in twitter I, I i do read a lot of news i i have found myself in like 
a reporter's thread where they basically just summarize the article that they've posted. It's like 12 threads. It's what an amazing website, an amazing website that these reporters give away the thing that they are being paid by another outlet to do on Twitter. It is the funniest thing. When I was, <laughs> when I was covering, when I was on the trail and I'm at a, I'm at a, 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 a rally and I'm in these pens, I was going to say Trump rally, but it was all of them, right? It was the Bernie rallies, the Pete rallies, blah, 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 blah. You, you're in the pen and I'm sitting in the back and I'm recording something so I don't want to bother people. I look out and it is all laptops of people on Twitter going to the website for free to give people for free the content that another outlet has paid for them to be there for. Just, I mean, it, it, it shows you there is a cultural cachet here that just cannot be matched. Yeah. And like you, I think you can steer Twitter towards more of that. Like, I think that's meeting people where they are in a very functional way. Um, if I ran Twitter, that would be something I would look into, but, uh, I don't. A news division so, or like news practices, figure out, may, treat, if, if Twitter's going to be the new wire, make it, make it the wire and figure out a way for people to get more of what they want on Twitter instead of you know, going to YouTube, going to the Washington Post, whatever. Get Stringer Bell. I, I think what's thing the to wire. think about is oh, wire. Okay. Yeah, I was the season two Fine. was better. Yeah, uh, I. So man yourself, huh? I think that the thing to keep in mind too is that, like I said, the whole hey, is he going to go for more? Because does he want a controlling interest? Is that Twitter's market cap right now is like forty billion. $40 billion market cap. And he just bought up 10% of that. He dropped $4 billion to do that. If you look at his fluctuating net worth, where like a year ago, he was worth like $100 billion, then it went up, then it went down, went up, went down. If he decides to take, let's say, spin out Starlink and make Starlink a public company, I don't think he'll make SpaceX a public company because I think he really wants to control it. But Starlink is a steady growth business. You know it's going to be predictable, what it's going to do. It just has to keep doing the same thing that it's doing, putting up more satellites, increasing, increasing speed, et cetera. I have a, I have a feeling that we're going to see a Starlink spin out. If he spins out Starlink, mm -hmm. he's going to have a big payday. And even right now, he's worth, he's the richest man in the world. He's too, if he just wanted to buy Twitter tomorrow, he could do that. He would have to give up some shares of Tesla, whatever, which maybe he doesn't want to do, but he could certainly spin out Starlink and probably spend some shares on that, whatever. He could own test he could own Twitter outright and then decide to do what he wants with it. Yeah. Uh uh my 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 prediction is he wants to be the scary guy in the room. I think he 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 wants to factor into the thinking of Twitter that if they if they were gonna do something, watch out. Think about Elon first. Yeah. Just Think, uh, you know, it's it, it like like that meme, like you know, I agree, I agree. Is there someone you didn't ask? I don't. Instead of Jesus, it's <laughs> Elon, and it's uh, uh, somebody did not give consent, and that was and that was Elon. So I, that's what he wants because I, I I think he feels, and this is from somebody that comes from the Silicon Valley system. It's so funny to to watch. You know, some of the coverage was like Elon Musk, who's been critical of Silicon Valley thing. It's like he's PayPal mafia. <laughs> like, like, PayPal. Yeah. And look, and, and, <laughs> and there are cultural and political lines for which have been kind of drawn between a lot of this stuff and blah, 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 blah. Right. But I think he feels that Twitter right now is in too insular a, uh, a position 
I think he he just bought four billion dollars worth of of uh, 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 ideological diversity into the decisions that are made, and maybe. Maybe if he if he feels that this is something that is too far gone, maybe he buys it. But I think for right now, uh, he wants to stand in the room, and whenever someone's making a decision, he loudly cracks his knuckles. Uh, 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 last my last thought on this: Jan- Daniel J. Newman in our chat just said, "Why not just buy the employees that make Twitter good and make a better one and leave old Twitter to die?" <laughs> but it's like. I don't know if you've noticed, but every time someone has tried to launch a social network, it has flopped. It has not worked. It is it might weather- be the last thing I try to acquire from that company. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 you know, except for, for Brett. For oh yeah, buy oh, yeah. buy Brett, please. Uh, Four billion dollars would buy a very fancy social network that will probably not work because there there is a huge there. I've talked about this a lot when it comes to. A social media succession like we have very high expectations of what technology should do and so if your social media network doesn't have video well, and, and Twitter, apps it, and all these other things from day well, one it's tough to compete I, I would say it's even more basic than that that's the reason google plus failed you're it's a network the mm-hmm. it's a network it's it's twitter's been around almost what, 15 years now Something and like so 15 years of networks of who to follow who to do all this and everybody trying to copy us and do like TikTok work because TikTok was something new. Your network didn't matter. All that mattered was an algorithm showing you something fun and cool. If you want to build, and, you, and know, even that was built on Musically, right? It, it already yeah. was. It was a, a a boutique social network that had its own following that then was supercharged. Uh, yeah. So well, and then well, I mean. The Chinese version wasn't musically. They came to America and they was, bought yeah, yeah, musically. Yeah, yeah, here. yeah, yeah, Do yeah. yeah. Yin, right? Yeah, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, but y- yeah, even then, or, or even Discord, right? Like Discord, I think is like the great new social network or one of the newer great social mm-hmm. networks, and it is relatively different than everything else. It is basically IRC, but that's not what Twitter or Facebook are. And I think it's great and. Uh, that's what we kind of le- need is something different, right? I, I think we didn't like Reddit because it was exactly what Dig used to be. It's because it was also the right time because Dig was going down and it was new stuff. Yeah, that there's an older internet. Oh man, we're just so crazy. <laughs> uh, there was there was there was an idea when when uh, uh, social media was young that everything was very tenuous, right? Because we had seen similar offerings that we did not really look at as like functionally all that different that would just swallow each other up like you know ever greater fish in in a in a metaphor or something uh what we found out is that once it reached a certain phase of maturity you really needed to differentiate yourself and we have seen through some people were listening there in the chat talk to parlor Talk to Getter, talk to Truth Social, yeah. right? Talk uh, to Peach. The idea, talk to Meerkat. Well, but but just no, just in those Everything. three specifically, yeah. political, ideological uh, protest of Twitter was not enough of a differentiator. Like, it, people went there, they created accounts, and maybe there's an element uh, that is that is still there, but it's not the King Media. It's not the Hive. Mm. Hive is still on Twitter. That matters. Yeah, I there there are 
there's always going to be room for something else. It's just got to be different. And somebody brought up the comment that like the moderation feels uneven. I think that's that would be that would be. I think that's one of the biggest criticisms against it. And it's it's the hard part is that um, our founding fathers, in my opinion, were very wise, and that we didn't put things. And that they were not not on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, that too. They although could you imagine Brent Franklin on Twitter? Oh, he'd be lit. <laughs> um, they're, Check me out! I'm in France. They're, they're, <laughs> the it can feel Franklin's like, in Paris. We we don't have we don't have hate speech laws in our country, and some people think that's bad. Some people think it's good. I kind of think it's good because hate speech is so subjective in how you define it. And other people are like, how can we not have this? Because in their head, they have a very clear idea of how they define what that is. In reality, it is a very spectrum. There are some things that are pretty odious that we can pretty much agree on, but then there are things that get in the, the messy sort of middle, and that's part of the problem here is that anybody doing social media right now, you're being yelled at, you've got to police hate speech, but people don't understand, like, no, like, really, this is, is you know, are Ukrainians saying, hey, you know, kill all the Russians that are in our country? Is that hate speech? Well, maybe, but is it? You know, really good point of view if you're from Ukraine, probably. And you get into these sort of extremes where you go, well, it's obvious. Like, well, is it by this same rule? I said, that's one of the biggest problems that, you know, Twitter is being trusted has to deal with. And I'm curious to see what happens uh, next. And the only thing, pedantic point, it's not that moderation. Moderation is not uneven on Twitter. Moderation is non-existent. Because they don't have moderators, they only have administrators. This is the whole hierarchy well, of yeah, the internet. The whole hierarchy of the internet is that either you've got site-wide rules or you've got community-wide rules. And they do not have community-wide rules because they don't have communities. Which is they have one website they have that, that, that they are making the, these, these secret police decisions uh, uh, that are totally... Un, uh, you don't. You often don't know why you've been taken off. You don't know what tweet took you off. You don't know how long your ban has been. And this is not solely to Twitter. This is including websites for which I don't want to disparage for <laughs> familial reasons that that we may or may not be streaming on right now. Sorry. They 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 make these you know uh, uh, the, the, these decisions that come from on high that are unclear. And I think that as we continue to evolve as an internet community. There is a call out from the community that just wants to know, hey, what are the laws here? Not the terms of service that seem to be interpreted differently depending on how many people are yelling about them. But can I know the laws? Can I know, like, if I'm trying to ride the line, what is the line? Well, and, and you know, if you're a multi-million, multi-billion dollar company, you don't want to set the line. You don't want to be the one who draws the line in the sand first. No, they they want to follow. I mean, again, they want to, to they want to, to they want everybody on the platform. Yes. And they're going to do everything in their power to be as central and uh, you know, uh, I don't know a good way to say it, but they're trying to, to have it be for everybody, re yeah. regardless well, of the quality they, of the they site. They banned a former they banned a former president, but ISIS was still on there, and you're like. How how does this? Yeah. <laughs> like, I agree. I, I, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, we oh, know that. Oh, you agree with ISIS? Do you, Bryce? Really? <laughs> I'm trying to agree with you. I'm more of a Muslim <laughs> Brotherhood man myself. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, you know, like uh, Twitter, by being an international company, has to like keep the Nazi stuff out of Twitter on Germany, and 
there's a there's because yeah. that is a law. That's a law. That, that is a law, law yeah. in Germany that, yeah. Yeah. And that is not protected speech. Right. Yeah. Um, but it makes you go, hey, you've got a thing. You have a way of telling who the Nazis are. Do you want to? Do you want to do anything about the Nazis, maybe? And it's like that. And that's an old. That's an old complaint at this point. But like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Nobody. Nobody wants to be the rule maker. Want to do picks? Yeah. yeah let's do picks. Uh, I got to pick. Pick I it up. To, I have to look up how, what it's called again, because it's a weird, uh, th- here we go. This is a Netflix anime that I did not think I would like. I watched the first episode expecting that I would watch the first one and I'd just watch the last episode and I'd figure out everything in between. And I was wrong. Uh, I watched this Netflix, uh, show Termae Romae Novae, or, uh, which is uh, about a, a an ancient Roman uh, named Lucius, who uh, is an architect of bathhouses in in ancient Rome in the golden age of bathhouses, and uh, every episode just spoiler alert for every episode except the first episode is the exact same. He runs up into a problem with building bathhouses. He enjoys a bathhouse and then usually falls under the water and is transported to usually modern day Japan where he steals their ideas of bathing and bathing culture and then brings it back to ancient Rome where his inventive impossible new innovative ideas uh, bring success and beauty and pride to the bathing culture. Oh, that old cliche story. How uh, many times have we heard it? <laughs> oh, and but despite being extremely formulaic, the reason I kept watching it was because it's not an anime. It is an animated Discovery Channel show. Like uh, they show you, like this. This is as much about the engineering and enjoyment of these traditional bathhouses in both ancient Rome and Japan. And what connects them as it is a like like a a segment on the Today Show. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So much so that the the author of the manga that this is based off of uh, the last four minutes of every episode are live action. There's a live action package with her going to different hot springs in Japan and learning about their different traditions and trying out different stuff. So it's very much a like travel magazine show more than some robot anime you know thing that might be in your head um i will say this too man i i have i have not myself been to ancient rome but boy the modern day (laughs) japanese they love those onsens yeah oh they are big into them and and i watch this and i can't quite tell if this is like uh wish fulfillment you know, or maybe just like alternative history, because it's 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 stuff like oh, you know, uh, the rowdy foreigners came into my my bath, and what do I do? And then he goes to modern day Japan, and rowdy foreigners go into the bath, and what do they do? Oh, well, they point at the sign that has the pictures that say don't you know pictographs of the rules, and so he goes back to Rome, and they build stone tablets of the proper bathing procedure. I- when I lived in Japan, the hotel that I stayed at was actually on top of an onsen. And oh. so you'd go downstairs to go there. And uh, there were different rules for foreigners than for locals. Yeah. I will say that. Yeah. Uh, it's... Foreigner, you were told to cover up. 
your genitalia at ah. all times. Um, and so it, it was it was interesting in that in that it was, it was a non traditional anime experience, and I uh, I rather sounds enjoyed. great. Yeah, and that sounds great. Uh, I would say the English dub is good. It makes the show as goofy as it needs to be, because if you take it seriously, you will maybe not have so much fun with yeah. it. <laughs> Japan, don't change. Japan, yeah, you're, you're doing it. You're doing it good. Just, just, just we're always you're doing delighted. it good. Yeah, so Can't that's it. To get back out there. Ter, ter, terumae romae nobuai, which is such a weird. Just uh, you'll find it on Netflix. T h e r m a e thermae. Uh, my pick is I finally finished Our Flag Means Death. Ooh. And, uh, uh, boy, just, you know, just a good show. Hey, fr- friends, you want a good show? Just go ahead and, and get this good show in your life. Uh, um, uh, without going too far into it, it, it goes there. If you're halfway through the show and you're like, I wonder if it's going to go there. It does. It, it does. It does. It goes there. Uh, it doesn't sacrifice a lot of the fun stuff. Uh, uh, there are uh, uh, some great moments without playing into how this comes into play. There is uh, an apparently real uh, 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 historical thing for which a pirate can renounce pirating. Mm, that's right. uh, and uh, there is a very fun cutaway to the king of England, <laughs> like, tr- you know, uh, 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 workshopping what the name of this thing should be, but that I've, 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 I've thought about uh, since I saw it. So uh, the gags are really funny. The acting's really great. Um, you know, little, little quibbles that, that, I might, that I might have with, with some of the, the uh, uh, underpinned emotional elements of it, but yeah. uh, uh, I think he got... The main character, I don't know. I don't mm. know. I, 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 just, I just think some people got off a little. Um, uh, I see. Uh, uh, considering. That being said, uh, uh, I, I very much liked it, and I'm very much looking forward to a season two. I love that cast. That cast is just great, and, mm-hmm. and their guest stars. One of those shows where great. every guest star, you just know it's going gonna, it's gonna to knock it out of the park. Uh, including a, a great turn by by Will Arnett. Did oh, you even not uh, my... realize it was Will Arnett? Wait, Calico Jack. Cal- uh, may- maybe I just don't remember, it, but I should rewatch that. What? He was it no, yeah. was Black Blackbeard's friend that comes and and uh, uh, stirs stirs things up toward oh. the end of the season. Yes. Okay. Yes. 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 Okay. Uh, it's a very good show. I it's very highly recommended. Uh, one follow up and then one pick. One is hmm. um, down to waiting for the last episode of Severance. Ah. Really, really, really dug this world building so far. Very, very much enjoy it. Um, other things like I think I know what it's about, but it's really great storytelling is about watching the characters try to figure out what it's about which is really cool. And if you're engaged with the characters, you know, you could know, oh, this is what's going on. Doesn't matter for them. You know, like I would say versus like Westworld where the character's exploration of what was going on was kind of sort of slow and plotting. And, Mm. you know, you were, it wasn't as cool of a reveal where here you could sort of start with kind of knowing, like if I said, oh, I think this is what's going on. You'd be like, oh, 
cool. How is this going to impact them or whatever? So very much been enjoying it. Justin, you've been watching it? I've not, but I did listen to an interview with uh, Ben Stiller, who was talking about the, the the development of it, which apparently he read as a writing sample uh, for his production company. That the, the 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 creator of it submitted it as his writing sample to get a a job with Ben Stiller's production company. Wow. And he loved and it so much it. that that uh, and he said he was he was sold on it by the first few scenes before any of the larger conceit is revealed he just really loved the dialogue of the uh, uh the, the office banter yeah. uh and, i yeah yeah my joke is that like at the surface it's like yeah this is what hollywood people think having a real job is like and they go into these buildings they gotta wear these things on their necks like, everybody <laughs> has to wear the same one and tag it in and like insane uh, uh also apparently uh they he cast john totoro and john totoro uh was very excited to do it and uh he's like oh have, have you uh, uh do you have a, somebody for this other role and he's like uh yeah we're looking at a few people and he named off the people and he's like you know chris would be great Oh, about Christopher Walker. <laughs> wow. And he's like, oh, what a- <laughs> and he's like, like, sure. Yeah. Chris would be great. And Totoro called him and personally talked him into doing it. Wow. It's that- great. That the relationship is so good. It's so good. Yeah. So good. Uh, my, my pick for a book is Arthur C. Clarke's profiles of the future. This was a book that he originally wrote in 1960. And then he followed it up 40 years later. And, uh, I've just been enjoying it thoroughly. Did I mention this on the last podcast? I think you told I think you us did. about yeah, yeah, yeah. this, but I don't think it was a pick necessarily. Yeah, so this is my pick. Uh, I'm on the last chapter now. And that was like, I think I mentioned like, yeah, my favorite thing from there was his, you know, experience. Yeah, I talked about the playing around with like a hovercraft and the the last time he ever drove anything was a hovercraft. But a lot of great, lot of great things reading, listening to him talk in like the 1960s about like, what if we could have these satellites? Like you talked about the problem with TV at that point was it had to use all these transmitters to get signal around mm-hmm. and we weren't really connected. But if we could put a satellite in geostationary or, you know, orbit, we could be connected and you could have a satellite newspaper, you know, yeah. you know, you could have satellite <laughs> mail where you would go to an office and write uh-huh. down a letter and give it to somebody and it'd be sent to the satellite Ooh. and then sent to somebody else. And it's like somebody else's secretary who would then yeah. relay but, it. <laughs> He's very open up and following up where he was off, where he was on, and but you just what a wonderful thinker, and it just gave me a thousand ideas. It just I started just thinking about like technologies I have access to and started playing around with stuff. So, Ooh. Profiles of the Future by Arthur C. Clarke, highly recommend. Very nice, gentlemen. Oh. It's been weird. <laughs> Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program.